Let's talk just about fans. I think once yeah. you're a player, um, it changes your perspective on the game. Especially, well, let's say this: when you get into Major League Baseball, when you mm-hmm. get drafted, mm-hmm. uh, it changes it changes your perspective. It's, yeah, it it's your to. job it's now. Your job. Absolutely. Your your wife is going to influence your decisions about the ball right. game. Right. Because like if 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 it's like, well, um, hey, uh, my childhood dream was to play for my home team mm-hmm. i want to stick with them because that's part of my it's like well why wouldn't we go take the 10 million dollars uh you know we're having a third kid yeah. coming uh gotta feed my you're kids. being dumb and and like <laughs> it's not that the guy doesn't love the game any any more or less it's just that he's not the only one making the decisions mm-hmm. it's part it's his life and so yeah. as a fan without fans there is no game <clears throat> these guys don't make the money the, their owners don't have anything that's worth value so let's just talk about the fans that's the whole point this is just how well, I don't see. pretend that I want the robot umpire, but we make the conversation. No, but you do. <laughs> you do. If you want Terminator umpire behind the plate, uh, Terminator vision. I'm just giving him tools. You do want the robot ump on some level. On some level, I I, I believe that uh, the best thing that humans ever did was make tools. You can say that. How'd you like 2001 Space Odyssey? <laughs> um, well, it was very slow. <laughs> In all honesty, the first time I sat down to watch it, knowing I was going to watch one of the greatest movies of all time, I made it about 30 minutes and fell asleep. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely... Stanley Kubrick... um, I mean, look... That's an artist there. For everyone listening to this, all 12 of you, uh, if you haven't seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, you don't know what movies are about. (laughs) You have to see this film. It's, it's it's, uh, it's, It's definitely in my top 10 probably top five what's the computer's name that talks how how 9000 dave i'm sorry dave <laughs> maybe that's what's happening to baseball right now you're taking the thinking out of the game and it's it's just like the scene where hal is losing his oh you're gonna start talking to me that way i'm sorry i can't do that i'm losing my mind dave i can feel it going <laughs> stop dave <laughs> Stop. Will okay. you stop butchering the game? <laughs> Will you respect the umpires? Oh, these words sound so familiar. I can feel my mind going, Dave. Yeah. They're just pulling the circuit boards out of out of the heart of the game and it's it's dying and it knows it's dying. And who who's going to give it a voice? Everyone in media, not everyone in media, so many people a in grand media majority. are, you've got, you've got established media who are so obviously on the side of the establishment. So uh, you watch like, it's their employers, just little, yes. little snippets of MLB TV. And it's like, it's watching Billy Ripken stare at the sky, trying to find the words that won't get him fired. It's, it makes me want to throw up. And and you watch Harold Baines out there, like these guys are doing their best, but they are just getting—they are part of the problem. They are speaking about the game from the business point of view and not from the fans' point of view. Maybe they think they are, but they're so far removed from the fan experience at this point. Um, and and then you have new media, and new media is like more connected to the players, and mm-hmm. they're doing Twitter and they're doing YouTube, and mm-hmm. you know maybe that's where what we're trying to do, but. I don't want to be connected to the players or the owners. I just want to talk about the game. The game. You know, baseball is old. It's not as old as chess. We talked about how chess has changed drastically 
the queen is a new piece on the board in, in from a certain point of view. Um, and that was put there to make the game more exciting, <laughs> have more action. And you've said it that you think we're not the smartest people in the world. Maybe there is a better way to play baseball. Maybe you can put guys on a spaceship and uh, change gravity. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be a better form of baseball, but probably not. I mean, baseball just had such a long time to refine itself and kind of the, when you have all that time and nothing changes and it goes through ebbs and flows of popularity and non-popularity, it's, you just kind of find yourself in a position of it is what it is. It's good enough for being itself, but then you get business involved and that isn't a successful model. So it's not going to work in terms of the system that's in place now. And so I feel like I'm, you know, at the end of the season, I'd, I'd sort of talked about, we're going to need the greatest miracle ever, which is the players and the owners look at each other in the face and say, what have we been doing? We've been so silly, being so greedy. Let's give more back to the fans. Like, it's so obvious, but also so almost impossible. So 99.9, that's not going to happen. But I don't see any other solution for having something pure as an art form be able to express itself. So let me tell you a quick one where this is maybe within five years ago, there was, and I think it was MLB network. It was, they were pitting DH versus non DH. And it was, they had representatives from each side, X players. So the guy representing baseball was Cliff Floyd, national league guy. And the guy representing American league baseball was Billy Ripken. Okay. Cal Ripken's younger brother. Played in the big leagues for a little bit. I think a few years. Second baseman. And uh, so they they represent it as it's equal. They're both going to get their time to say what it is. And the only thing that happened was Billy Ripken was more down to interrupt Cliff Floyd. And Cliff Floyd's being stoic, humble, saying he respects the game. And Billy Ripken keeps jumping in, telling him why he's wrong and how it needs to change. And I'm going, and it's not really fair, but I'm going... Why the fuck would I listen to what Billy Ripken thinks? And that's not fair because, you know, I have no influence on the game. But it was the fact that if I talk louder, it makes me more right. And that's really annoying. And it's yeah. it was so clear what was happening there. And I wonder the people that put on the show, it's saying, all right, Billy, like interrupt this guy. You're you're on the correct side of things. And he's he's starting to talk about it as if it's, you know, think about it. Like, scientifically, it's better, basically, getting to that point. There's a guy on MLB Network, I'm not going to name him, but he knows that when he yells at people, they'll repost that on social media. So it started off where he would just every once in a while yell at someone, but mm -hmm. we're at the point now where every time he does an interview with someone, it's at 10 out of 10 yelling, the whole interview. Because he's reached a point where it's like, well, that's what I got to do if I want to go viral. And like, and this is a baseball guy or a sports guy. He's a sports guy. He's, he talks about baseball a lot. I'm not going to give him away. Okay. I don't want to anyone yeah, I have who's heard him knows who I'm talking okay. about. I have a guess. And, uh, the idea that more people are, when they're changing the channel or are, are going to stop on that, or they're going to, they're going to find it on YouTube. I yeah. mean, sound bites. It's, 
it it get it might it, 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 it works no but here's the thing it does work you do get clicks you make a little bit of money but yep. you are killing the game yeah that's the thing is you're not necessarily making it better you're you're taking you're spending someone's love of the game and you're diminishing it for a click mm-hmm. you are part of the problem mm-hmm. yeah we're all in it together i want to make i want to make people love the game i i don't want to talk about players versus the owners i hate this i hate it hate what's happening in baseball right now it makes me sick that's why we're here you know like people people who buy baseball teams should love baseball i don't know how you how you enforce that but i couldn't agree more we have to find a way it either yeah to have a test (laughs) yeah you know i think i think we really need you know who who is that you know equivalent of the dot-commer who is that billionaire that could step in and they can't claim they're going to ruffle feathers. They can't claim they're going back because they'd get shut down. But they can do the whole uh, charade of I'm with you guys. And then he or she makes their team perform in egregious ways. And is, is kind of like the crazy person. But they're doing it the way it ought to be done because they're making a stand. I'm a billionaire. And... Fuck all these guys that think the game out. I'm going to, I'm going to show the fans what it's really all about. Yeah. And it's like, imagine if there was a team, let's just say, because they, they pulled this off. Let's say the angels. Okay. They have Madden as their manager and they say, okay, here's what we're going to do as American league team this year. We're going to say, fuck you American league. And we're going to bat every pitcher and play by national league rules. Cause there's no rule against it, but we're going to, we're the team that we want the real ball players coming here. We want real ball players. So this is how we play the game. And they just play it that way. And you're going to have all these guys go, well, they're not playing how. <laughs> they're giving ABs away. Yeah. Everyone be, be ridiculed. But yet they're still winning hmm. because they want a Madison Bumgarner oh. type pitching for them. You know, you're only giving up in baseball. You know, we'll say we've said a few times, Madison Bumgarner is a phenomenal hitting pitcher, but Amazing. he's probably about a 230 hitter if he were to play every day. Eh, 245. Maybe. We'll, we'll just say in that range. So it's hard to keep your job he's unless, you, knocked, unless you're really, really good at defense. Okay. Right. But I'd say a pitcher is really good at defense. It's rarely going to cost you a game. It will cost you a few games, but if you're nine hitters pretty weak, it's rarely going to cost you games. It, it it will accumulate through a 162 game season, but what if your team is full of hitting pitchers such as Mad Bum? You can win 100 games a year, even against people that play with the DH. If you're baller enough, it can be done. It's not going to drastically change the game where all of a sudden you can't win. I like what you're saying. You need a, a pool of players who would buy into that. Yeah, and, like oh, a, they, and they're bu- out there. They're out there. I, it's just absolutely. And the Angels, let's say they wanted to represent. It's like, we got Joe Madden. He's a real manager. He's managed at every level. He's he's down to win. He understands analytics. He understands the real game. And we play real baseball. You want to make a splash in baseball, you need to explain to other people you have new metrics. And this is a new metric. Ah, interesting. The new metrics, the old metric. That's great. So had you ever thought of that idea that a team starts playing in the National League style, even though they've, I think the minute that DH. that becomes a winning strategy, uh, a year after that, someone will do it because I think that that every the baseballs are baseball teams are so loaded with these guys trying to be better 
and find a new way to win, find yeah. a more efficient way to win, really, mm-hmm. that the minute this becomes, if they're true gamers, if they understand game theory, then if this was a winning strategy, we probably see it. But the problem is, and we talked about this, in the minor leagues, pitchers don't hit. Yeah. And that's, so that's what, what happens at some point between Little League um, and high school, uh, somewhere between high school level, pony level, um, and college pitchers just stop hitting and i don't i don't understand i don't get it mad bum doesn't get it uh zach granke didn't get it he almost went insane uh when they were developing him as a pitcher only he was like i just want to play ball he wanted to be a second baseman one of the best pitchers to ever play the game especially in the modern era and he it almost drove him crazy because he just wanted to play ball yeah i feel for him yeah did you ever see the interview with bill lee who said his last at bat in the big leagues he hit it he was playing in boston and he hit it down the line and the ball got away from the right fielder so he rounds second and the third base coach starts waving him around third so he's going to go for inside the parker and then at the last second they hold him up so he stops at third next year implement the dh that's the last at bat he ever had that's a good story though that's a heartbreaker yeah, he He's triple. rounding third. No, no, no. They hold him up. They hold him up. Could have ended with an inside the park job. Can we talk about the humanity in the game and how <laughs> listening to sure. baseball on the radio is why the game is our national pastime? Because you want to talk about technology. Games on the baseball is a game perfect for radio. Yeah, yeah. It's slow. It because... can be described um, in all the detail you need to feel like you're there when you close your eyes. I mean, and that's totally untrue of every other sport. I've tried to listen to football not as good, on the yeah. radio. I've tried to listen to basketball on the radio, mm-hmm. and it's horrible. It's just not as good, yeah. I can't even – I have no picture in my head of what's happening. Well, here's why. Because baseball is slower, so you're going to need an announcer that lends more to storytelling than passes over to that. What is it? Reach it over to Reachy. Reach it to Marlo. Marlo to Reachy. Yeah. Like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Basketball, hockey – the same way there's downtime in football so there's some room for storytelling but baseball naturally lends itself to storytelling yeah and so if you're out in your yard pulling weeds or if you're driving you're ready to hear a story like you're you're already doing something slightly absent-minded and you don't even need to hear every play it's just the fact that it's on makes you happy and so one of the reasons why it fit baseball so perfectly is baseball was around when radio was becoming the thing and all these fans who used to only be able to read about it in the next day's paper yeah. all of a sudden could be part of it. And, you know, kids were coming home from school and there was day games. And so you get off school at two or three o'clock, mom, turn on the radio. You might catch the last few innings. You know, there was all this excitement for towards radio being this new thing that you can pay attention to. So through the decades that continued into it just lending itself for that and you know, a guy like Vin Scully started so many years ago, but by the 80s, he'd been doing it for decades. So he was already a seasoned pro. And so, I mean, radio always lend itself to me because in the mid 90s, as a teenager, I could hear it in my room and I wouldn't get in trouble where I wasn't necessarily supposed to just watch a baseball game all day mm-hmm. in front of the television. Like, sit further away from the television. <laughs> I, I there were a couple of years where I listened to at least 140 games on the radio. <laughs> and it, I'll oh, bet and, you. Were... And and the other ones I watched on TV. 
you know, and and I would do my homework while I was listening to games. Yeah, I had a Walkman, you know, with the with the oh, F, sweet. with the AM receiver that worked. Oh man, yeah, Jealous. and uh, I would be riding my bike sometimes listening to the game. I'm like, I would, I didn't want to miss, you know, sometimes I'd miss it, right, if I had to, but I'd definitely be all up in them box scores the next day. Like, couldn't, couldn't, I would go Devo- buy this devour is this is how scores. old I am. I would go buy a paper. If I had, if I had missed the game, right, or I would yeah. listen to the radio, the midnight recap, or whatever. If I missed that, you'd go buy a paper and you'd read the box scores because you want to see what your your guys were doing. Maybe you want to see that pitcher. Like, how did he? How did he do? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a sad thing, which is what you're describing to me is the essence of what a baseball person is. You are driven by the passion. You have to know. I was following my team. You needed to know. I knew what the happened. name of every guy in the you, roster. You didn't want to miss anything. And here we are talking about this thing that's just it's nowhere near what it was and you like it less well there's been a number of events that have happened to to make me question my time that spent on baseball and should i spent it somewhere else yeah and the first and the biggest was something that happened to me in little league and then some in the 94 strike yeah yeah and when the 94 strike happened it just it just it i had to sit back and be like well i don't baseball has become an obsession i recognize that i i have a little bit of ocd and at at that same point in my life i was actually fighting this problem where i was washing my hands too much and i'm like uh why am i washing my hands all the time you know well i want to be clean whatever why am i obsessing about a baseball team you know what does that have to do i'm never going to be a ball player at that point i had already (laughs) i'd already washed out as a ball player yeah (laughs) by 94 as a very young man (laughs) uh uh pitching is tough but uh, let's 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 put it this way uh be good to your shoulders everybody yeah yeah or get a robot arm i i i could still make it give me that robot arm. i can still see pretty good (laughs) i can hit the box throw it in the the box are slingshots legal get it in the box uh where was i um basically yeah we we were starting with radio you were deeply immersed Mm-hmm. Deeply so the 94 strike happens and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, there is no baseball. Um, if I could be a fly on a wall, I'd want to know how the owners are fighting with each other over mm-hmm. some of these things. Because you know that they're not united. It'd be damn interesting. You have, we've already talked about how there's different kinds of baseball teams. Um, a lot of people don't understand this, but the, quote, big market teams operate way differently than other than some of the the teams that are from smaller towns and you know it's when you talk about the competitive balance uh tax right the the luxury taxes as they call it Mm -hmm. uh, which says if you spend a certain amount of dollars on salary um you have to pay that back into a general fund right you talk about how these teams pay the small market teams uh money like they just you just get money uh for being a baseball team um they they kind of even even it out right uh when you understand all that and then you find out that some of these teams are spending less on payroll than they get from that fund Mm -hmm. you start to understand where the players are coming from yep i could hear that but it takes a lot. You have to actually, you know, look into this stuff. It's well, not easy. Let me ask you this: What do you, what do you think about? What if that system wasn't in place, where you could pay 
your players whatever the fuck you wanted and the Yankees could have a billion dollar payroll and the A's could have a 12 million dollar payroll would you be down but that you can't get the owners to vote on that because there's so many other owners who are like whoa I don't want to pay all, I don't know, we just want to keep making all this money let's, yeah the, what what are you doing here but let's say it was actual okay. free market well there's a guy doing that right there's actually somebody disrupting this market right now okay who's that the Mets guy Cohen okay he's spending so much money it's freaking people out it's like a rod uh, all over again okay and and when you talk about the owners and you know Rob representing them, that's just one owner. He's wow. just one guy. And then you've got all the other owners. Uh, They're more, like, slow your roll, bro. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, we're uh, we're You're the A's of, over here. We're Kansas City. Kind of throwing hey, us under hey, the bus here. Red's talking to you. Uh, hey guys, uh, we're making a lot of money here. I, please, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's put that on the on the timetable for the next uh, next negotiation. But. Um, I mean, I think I would rather have it be full open free market than luxury tax and trying to, I don't, I'm not a big believer in the evening of the score. Like, oh, we need to give the A's a better chance. It's like the way the A's would get a better chance is be a better franchise. The reason, And if if you do better for your franchise, people will want to play there. I guess the argument against that is that those teams would actually just disappear. They would go bankrupt. And so the the Yankees recognize that they need the Royals, right? Um, and without without them, there is no you know you can't you know we talk about how American League baseball isn't real baseball, and I liken it to it could be wrestling and professional wrestling, and you can't have professional wrestlers without the guy that they beat up every once you know like on mm-hmm. the Wednesday night show, mm-hmm. like there has to be just some nameless generic guy to get. Announced. Brock Lesnar tried. Now, the beautiful thing about baseball is that the Rays with ninety million dollar payroll beat the Yankees this year, last year, with two hundred million dollar payroll, and the Red Sox beat them both. By the way, so almost I feel that's almost as cool to me as like Shohei. Uh, like those two things, um, I think are what gives me hope. Um, but. Yeah, I think payroll has very little to do with a team coming together and being a hard team to beat. And obviously it's going to play into it because certain players are better than others. But the beautiful thing about baseball, one of them, is it's often said that every team's going to lose a third of the games. Every team's going to win a third. So there's a more level position. It's like, you know, when the Bulls were winning 70 games a year and they're playing against the worst team. What was there like a one percent chance the Bulls would lose? You get into take the best baseball team at the time and the worst baseball pro team at the time. Yeah, that worst team might have a well, who's on the mound? Twenty or thirty percent chance of beating them, even though they're the worst. Wouldn't it be great if if football played every day, but they had different quarterbacks? That'd be great. I'd watch that. I don't know. I never thought of that. I don't think you could play football every day. Well, you'd swap out the players. Like you do in baseball. <laughs> we have a roster uh, right. of 450 Dude, people. The reason why I don't watch football is I. it really hurts me to see these guys get hurt. And it seems like every game somebody has a career in. Every single game I've seen in football, there's at least one career-ending injury on the field. And I just – I don't want to see that. Heartbreaker. Oh, heart, yeah, it's like that's a guy. Yeah. These are not chess pieces. These are people. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk about taking the humanity out of the game. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. 
All right. What else you got? So we're talking about owners, billionaires, and and how uh, you should have to pass a test to buy a baseball team. (laughs) I don't know how you fix this, dude. Because here's the thing. Uh, You'll always have owners who are like, uh, we just want to continue making money, owning this asset. You're in the billionaires club now, bro. Uh, It's not good for you to spend to do the a-rod deal because now we have to do a-rod deals now right. thank you very much right. and you and me are sitting here going i can't buy tickets it's cheaper to buy a boat than to buy season tickets it was the hell it's not statement. a joke it's everyone's a joke. gonna think that's a joke it's not a it's joke. not a joke it, it, it the price to to get good seats at pack bell park was so ridiculous and i saw it. i know why you hate i know you talk about this in season one how the fans were not there for the game. They were there to be there. And I, I was there and yeah, I, I brought, you talk about bringing your client to the game. I brought, fuck dude, I brought, I brought people to the game cause mm-hmm. I wanted to go and I'm like, Oh, you know what baseball is? Come, let's mm-hmm. go to the game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put this on the company card. Baseball I town. was that guy yeah. and I did it, but I, but I eventually I couldn't stomach it anymore because like, a, like a Bach would happen and some, Somebody would lose their their mind because they didn't understand what was happening, and I'd explain it to them, and then someone would get angry at me for explaining it to them. I don't know, man. Like at some point, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. You guys don't even know what baseball is. So it ceased to be a baseball town, is how it felt to you. You no one's gonna say no, dude. Nobody's gonna tell you. People are gonna get real angry when I say that I did not like Candlestick, and I think the fan. Oh, that's fine. But but and I think that they, they'll they'll come at it from the point of view as well. That's the real fans could go to a game at the stick, and you can't do that at the park. And they're right, they're right. And and I was part of the problem because I could afford to go to games uh, when they first put that park up, and I loved it. I I don't see. There's no problem with loving a brand new park. The question that I have is, if you could do it all over again, would you have kept your old one? And in terms of Candlestick. The only reason that I would love to see another game in Candlestick is because I can't. So I'm not saying I, it's better, but it's that weird thing in your mind. The memory is a sweet liar. I I can I can feel I feel like Candlestick still exists. I feel like I could open a door and walk into there. You're not a technology guy. I would say that's a very but fair statement. I'm going to tell you this, man. There is a way for you to experience these parks. <laughs> In a way that maybe won't feel real uh, enough to you to move you. Not at this but point. It, it feels real enough to enough people that it moves them. And so that's like saying I rode a real roller coaster. Right now, I by think putting on some goggles. The best representation of like Whoa, uh, virtual, I'm going down the hill. virtual ballparks Woo! is video games. And so a lot of people play these baseball games. Yeah. And you can play them in any park you want. Right, right. Imaginary. You can make your own park. You can build your own park. Think about that. Mm. Oh, I've been thinking about that since I was like ten. There's tools when are they in create these a games. Game I can create a park. Well, these these games exist right now. Yeah. I don't have the wherewithal in my fingers to develop a uh, cool stadium. You know, one of the reasons why they want to outlaw the shift is probably because there's not a button on the controller to do that in the yeah. video game. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. Hmm. But so the so you're talking about a generation of fans who are like, well, why can't I just play my fantasy team versus your fantasy team at Tiger Stadium, right? And they can do that. They have that freedom, and so yeah, and they have the fairness where the strikes are strikes and the balls a ball. Um, in the video game, it's it's 100 percent correct all the time, On every the time. Game. 
Yeah. And this is this is the new generation of fans. This is how they experience the game. If you, look, did you ever play yeah, a really any point. kind of uh, baseball video games at all? Certainly. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the they were okay. They never held your attention for very long. But the games these days are so immersive. Oh, I can't play today's games. That you would get you kids flunk out of school because these games are so great. You know what my governments favorite... put laws into place to limit the amount of time people can play video games because they're so immersive. I could tell you my favorite baseball video game, and most of the public will have never heard of it. And I played them all. Nin- regular Nintendo, Little League Baseball. It was fun. It was really fun. I've never met anyone else that had it. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Yeah, you'd play. You'd just pick a country. So it would be Canada against... Uh, actually, it wasn't a country because there was a Texas team. There was a New York team. There, I think there was a California team, but then it would be like Chinese Taipei, beautiful Canada, Japan, and it wasn't the teams that you thought would be good ne- weren't necessarily. Italy was the worst team I remember. We used to play in my house uh, baseball stars on the original NES, and Hell, that and thank the you for beautiful thing stars. about that game is that you that's could my save number two. Your, save your progress. That's my number two, and so yeah. you would build your team and you oh, could yeah. spend your stats. Right, that's how I learned the word. The vocab word prestige, mm. because you could with a win you'd earn points, and you could put those points towards one of your players being faster or stronger power. And there was an option for prestige, and I asked the guy's mom, "Hey, what is the word? What's this word mean?" She goes, "Oh, prestige. That's like popularity." And I'm thinking, why would I want to power up my team by making them more popular? Here's why. When your players had more prestige, you'd get more money per win, which meant you put more power-ups to your players. That's right. Baseball team, stars. Team building. Now, <laughs> I found – I didn't own that game until pretty late in my video game career. And one of my best friends at the time happened to mention, oh, at the Kmart, they're playing, they're selling this game like All-Star Baseball or something. And I stopped and I go, wait, what did you just say? <laughs> And I said, is it called Baseball Stars? And he goes, yeah, I think it's that. And it's like, uh, we're going to Kmart yeah, this right second. And Can we I, talk about how progressive that game was? I bought it for 10 bucks. There was there were women in the game. God, good call. You could play women. I, they threw underhand. so progressive. They threw underhand. They did all throw. But uh-huh. uh, I believe you could have an overhand. Uh, you could have an underhand throwing male player. Oh. I, I don't, don't know, know if you that. could have an overhead throwing Female players. See, I think so I guess there versus. was inherent sexism versus. built into the game. But yeah. that was in the 80s. That's still... They were... I had so much fun playing that game. That was a great that. game. Yeah, I always went with the... Um, before I started creating teams, I, I went with the uh, like baseball greats. And, and it would just be one name. It would be like, your pitcher was Sandy. Or your uh, like fourth hitter was Lou. Or something like that. And you you yeah. could fill in the blanks. Right. I, I loved how uh, that game had a natural conclusion. Like, you've powered Lefty. up all your players. You've won the World Series. You've won 162 games in a row. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can put the game away. Let's let's find another game yeah. to play. Yeah, that was it. That yeah. was true mastery. Well, And it felt... it you That game made you feel like you were the commissioner of baseball. Better. You were the, yeah. go- you were the god of baseball. Right. It was also the first game I remember that you could climb the fence and rob a home run. Ooh. And if you went too far, if you didn't pull back soon enough... Your player would go over the fence. Beautiful. I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen when I saw that for the first time. It's like, now this is baseball. These games today have 
every little nuance built into them. They have the Bach built. I mean, it's so intricate. Okay, I got to bring this up. I was delighted to stumble on... This is maybe one of the greatest... I, I can't really exactly tell you why, but I never, ever liked uh, the first baseman, um, Gonzalez, for... He played for the Dodgers and the Red Sox. Uh, Adrian. Okay. You know how just sometimes you don't like someone? Sure. He might be the most wonderful guy. For some reason, I never liked him. Mm-hmm. There is a clip that I've seen that is one of those clips that's rare that somebody's filming from their TV, you know? So they're filming their TV show this clip. I've never seen it anywhere else, but there's a pop-up on the first baseline and Gonzalez is going towards the state, the stands. He's reaching up to catch the ball in foul territory, but instead a dude who's holding a baby catches it with one hand instead of Gonzalez catching it. <laughs> He's got the baby under one arm, under one arm, bare hand catches and the takes ball it away from right the pro player, player with a glove. And he gets it. And there's a picture of it. It's There's not a picture. There's footage of it. Okay. But it's somebody filming their TV footage. Baseball's amazing. Okay. Here's the problem I have with that. <laughs> I believe that that man was not allowed to do that. Even though the ball is was ab- about li- to land on him and his child. He's got to catch. That's the point. When you're a ball player sitting in the, you, you, the ball's coming at you. You catch it. You are trained do not think too hard and catch the ball. I've got my glove on. He didn't even need a glove, but I don't think he's allowed to do that. <laughs> he can't and feed I the think... baby with the glove on. You know, oh, that's true. He had to drop the bottle and then catch the ball. So once I saw that, I started to think about it. Well, let's talk about that home field advantage. Like, should sh- do you know the home run I'm talking about when Jeter hit it and Mayer escorted the ball over the fence and the right fielder's like, he reached over and I'm like, no. It's all they talked about in New York for years. Okay, fair enough. So you know what I'm talking about. I believe you are allowed to do that as a fan. And the ball ended up over the fence and he didn't have a machine. He just reached with his arm. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to counter this. Okay. Okay. And it's not fair, but I want to be on board with the fans should be able to catch the ball. And like, just like the upper deck in Tiger Stadium, it's like, it's up there. It's a home run. Yeah. I'm with you except for now you've got guys falling out of the stands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, onto the field, right. making plays. Reaching. And I don't want that. Well, yeah. Because in the outfield, you don't want to fall over the Chevron car. That's too far to fall. But, uh, or whatever, whatever uh, imagery you have in your outfield, uh, yeah. whatever is your team, uh, whatever ridiculous logos are out there. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm going against all all commercialization. Let's just yeah. let's just state it. I don't like the logos on the helmets. Not the end of the world, but um, it's the beginning of it. <laughs> so, uh, so I want to be with you. I want. I I like this idea where. Uh, yeah. But your mind went right back. Why? To the why case argue about it? Why argue about it? Uh, the ball the left. The, over. the ball left yeah. the field. Exactly. Uh, it doesn't matter how it got there. The ball left. The uh, all of a sudden, ball teams are are stuck in the front row with uh, like yes. real, guys with really long arms like yes. you. I agree. And they all have gloves on uh-huh. that are ten feet long. Uh-huh. So you, you uh-huh. don't want to break yeah. the game, man. You don't want to break the game. You're talking about changing the rules, but well, I don't think it's changing the rules because 
you're really just giving the home the home team a possible advantage should their fans want to act that way. And it's not like they can affect every play. How often is it? Well, how big's their mitt? Well, think about this. How often would it happen that it's right on the line between home run and an out that a fan could actually, with their own arm, not with a machine, affect the outcome of the ball? Not every game, probably not even every series, maybe a handful of times throughout the year, or maybe a few dozen, something like that. Do you have to... So people who are sitting in these seats have an enormous responsibility now. Absolutely. So you can't bring your, you can't sit your kids there. You got to take a test to sit in these seats. It's like uh, at Pac, Pac Bell Park, Oracle. You can uh, there's seats where you get to flip the case. I don't and know. Uh, if you're sitting there, you really need to know what's going on. Okay. And if you don't, people will. What make seats fun are those? There. Well, they're. They're out there in right field. Oh, like the on the on the wall. Okay, yeah, and uh, right there. Yeah. yeah, they're they're good seats. Yeah, I've never sat there. I've always wanted I to sat there one time. Yeah, and you liked them. The K's didn't get to us. Okay, I wanted to flip a K, but it mm-hmm. never got all the way all the way to you. Yeah. yeah, and I thought it would. I thought I thought I was gonna get to do it, but I didn't. It's fine. So, you reminded me that you went to a Tim Lincecum no hitter. Yeah, I was in so, the I was in center field. I got to watch the pitch. Let me tell you uh, a brief Tim Linscombe no-hitter story, okay? I had tickets to a Giants game to go with some friends. And my buddy calls me up and he goes, did you hear what happened? And I said, no. He goes, Timmy threw another no-hitter. And that was the second one, okay? And we look at the timing and we go, I think Timmy's going to be throwing at the game we have tickets so then it ends up lining up where they post the starters for, for the day. And the game that we already have tickets to, Timmy's starting. So I call in to KMBR radio station. And one of the reasons I called in is because the one of the guys, the hometown guys, really didn't like Tim Lincecum. Really didn't like him. Thought he was wasted talent. Could have been so much better. Against the grain. I, I didn't like hearing that because... I was a pretty big Linscombe fan and my buddy was a huge Linscombe fan and uh, he just goes out and balls, you know, it's just, he, he kind of had this old, old schoolness to him that was really likable. So anyway, I call in and say to the chagrin, probably of the host, Timmy say whatever you will about him. He's given us an incredible ride the last, whatever, six to eight years. And it seems like he's winding down, but just when you expected him to not throw another no hitter, he did. Okay. Let's give this guy a standing ovation like a Cal Ripken that goes, let's get this guy a five minute. We appreciate the service you've given to our team. You threw another no hitter and let's almost postpone the game because the crowd won't shut up and won't sit down because we're cheering Timmy. And the guy's like, Oh, I don't know about this. And I said, you know what? I got tickets and I'll tell you one thing. I'll be there to cheer for him. Hmm. You know what happened next? We showed up late and didn't get the chance to give him a no-hitter, so I'll never know the ovation that he got. <laughs> Too bad for me. Yeah. There, there is this, There's a lot of things uh, that hasn't been said yet. Um, we haven't talked about Pete Rose. Okay. We haven't talked about... Um, there's so many things, man. Well, um, let's pick one and do it. 
Charlie Hustle. Play like Pete Rose. I think that's a good idea. Pete Rose is a scoundrel. Could be. Um, I'm not taking anything away from him as a player, but I'm going to give the counterpoint to why. You should not teach your kids to play like Pete Rose. (laughs) Pete Rose um, ended the career of Dave Fossey um, in an exhibition game by going too hard to the plate. In an exhibition game. Now, you can love it and hate this at the same time because it's like, ah, he's playing his heart out. Yeah. Um, he, He broke a man. He literally broke him. I know it's not Dave, but I can't think of his first name. It's not me. I got the name wrong. It's Fossey. Fossey. Ray? I think it's Ray. Ray Fossey. I'm so bad with names. When yeah, who cares? Wins. Yeah. We know what you're talking about. All-Star game. Yeah. In an All-Star... The reason why I think we should both celebrate and hate uh, Pete Rose... I mean, that's pretty much where it's at. ...is that uh, you can you can tell your kids, hey, p- play like play like Charlie Hustle. Um, and But don't be like Charlie hustle. You know, you talk about the hall of fame and why some people are excluded and we can agree and disagree why this or that guy is not excluded. But I, I think we can excuse Pete for having a problem with addiction, but I will not excuse um, him crossing the line of betting on games that he was, he was involved in. Once you, I think that's, I think everyone says that that's a line that you've lit, you, you yeah. cannot cross that line. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And baseball has a big problem with fandom um, and gambling. Yep. You can see it every time you're consuming any type of baseball media besides Mona Lisa baseball. You will see advertisements for gambling mm-hmm. websites, whatever, mm-hmm. how, whatever way they can get gambling to you, they figured it out with yeah. technology. And yeah. we're against that officially. Uh, this channel is 100% against gambling on sports i wouldn't say that's true from my opinion okay i don't want to speak for the channel i, I apologize i am personally 100 percent against gambling sports on gambling sports. i think it's cancer i don't think it's good for the sport but i'm not necessarily against it i just think there's look if you're working for the company that's the book then it's a good thing but if you're anybody else you're yeah. losing money or you're you're fooling yourself yeah because they, you can't make money gambling. Very few people stop lying to yourself. Very few people can make stop a living lying to yourself. Gambling. You yeah. cannot make money. Oh, I'm just spending a few dollars. Well, some good, people can. Good for some you. people have made a living gambling, but it's a very challenging. I think it 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 corrupts the game. I agree. Uh, and you're we you documented it perfectly in season one. Uh, no one should be rooting for your team to beat the spread. You should be rooting for your team to win. <laughs> yes. No yes. kid has ever in his backyard hit the ball. <laughs> With a ghost runner and a home run to win the World Series and beat the spread. And the over. That's the line I always heard. Oh, God. That makes and me the sick. over. That makes me sick. Yeah, what are we I don't, doing? Here? I don't want that word to exist when people are talking about sports. I want the gamblers to just go into their dark corners. and uh, I just... Okay, down to brass tacks. You have the magic wand. Pete's in the Hall of Fame. Yes or no? No. Mostly because he bet on his own team. Immediate, like whether or not it was a, a win or a loss, that's that's a wrap. Oh, it doesn't matter which side he bet on. Yeah, no, that doesn't matter because at all. then, yeah, because it, it may, it's almost like worse if he's like we have think to think about this. Like you, you, you don't pitch a guy one day, then you pitch another guy, another guy, and then you can like 
you can manipulate the spread now mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're it gives just, you an you, advantage. It's yeah. so unfair. I don't have to explain yeah. why betting on your, your team that you're the manager oh, of is, not, is not correct thing to do. It's, it's pretty interesting because I remember when I was younger and didn't quite understand it as, as well was, well, what's the big deal? You want to win anyway. So if you bet on your team, to no, we're going to rest our biggest bat this day. Yeah. Yeah. But he's going to play tomorrow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm with that now. Oh, I, I told the news, I told the news I that our biggest bat was gonna was gonna rest out this this uh, this this next uh, yeah. road trip. I lied. Yeah, and now I've manipulated the spread. Right. Yeah. No, no, you're disqualified from the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is not about infamy. It's about fame. Fame versus infamy. That's a good question. Like, what what is? Let's the have a different hall. hall. Let's have a Hall of Shame. We can put Barry Bonds and we can put Pete Rose in there. We can put it right next to the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Shame. Okay, oh, that sounds so harsh. Let me let me let yeah, me say Yeah, but what this. about Barry? Same same magic wand, in or out. What about Barry Bonds? Does you know we talked about the '94 strike and how it broke my heart a little bit, and uh, I had to question my love of baseball. Yeah. Barry Bonds did that even more because with the '94 strike, it was a clean break, but with Barry, it was a slow mm-hmm. burn. Like when mm-hmm. can I go back to love? How how can I? I was ashamed to wear the hat. I would go to my uncle's house with a with a Giants hat, and he'd be like, "Giants, hmm. Barry Bonds, what a joke, hmm. what a joke, ah, oh, you kids." And I was like, "Oh, but I just want to love baseball." Nope, you're not doing it right, and that's what this show's all about. <laughs> We're telling the kids you're playing it wrong. <laughs> you're not doing it right, but he was right. He was right, and it pained me. And I just, I didn't wear the hat the same way after that because yeah. he was right. I was like, what am I doing? Obviously, this guy is roiding. Obviously, he's lying about it. Obviously, he's one of the biggest kind of jackasses to ever get interviewed. And you want to love him because he's your guy and he's hitting home runs. But then you want to hate him because he's wearing armor and crowding the plate and just flipping. Just Well, I'll tell you, when, when so hard. I got to meet him as a high schooler, he was gracious to me. That's nice. It was nice. I think he's apologized. For, he's come out and said, "Man, I I, I, I wish I ass. I wish I could go back and do my interviews differently and, and be nicer." Yeah, and I, I accept yeah. that completely. Yeah, I mean, but Ty Cobb I said can't, the same shit. I can't accept the fact that while I wanted to be the biggest San Francisco Giants fan on the planet, I could not do it because my everything Barry Bonds embodied everything that I hate about the world cheating to win and then lying about it and i just couldn't stomach it it made me sick okay it made me sick to say to continue to follow the team and continue to get excited uh when they would win although the team didn't have a whole lot of success when barry was on the team it can't be understated Mm, how good he was and how much he changed the game how you would have you talked about this in season one you would have specialist pitchers who would come in just to face Barry. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's cool too. I, I would get excited about that as mm-hmm. a baseball nerd. Mm-hmm. But, so back to the question, magic one hall of fame, Barry Bonds in or out for you. I want to change the hall. I want his story to be told, but I don't want him next to, to the greats. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. What about the argument of he was already a Hall of Famer before he started writing? 
three MVPs. What do you think about that? There's not one person with three MVPs that's not in the Hall of Fame. I want to see the baseball card hat size by year because I don't know when we can say specifically when he started voiding. <laughs> I, I remember seeing his rookie card and it was mostly just uh, the crowd because he was so skinny that his he, he was he's uh, he's about to bat and you you could see the crowd through his legs through his arms. Yeah. It was I mean, mostly just the crowd, and then you look at his his this final season, and um, it's just yeah, but that's this f- fourteen years slab later. of beef, this huge cow of a man. His baseball cards in eighty six and eighty seven look really different from the person that hit seventy three home runs in two thousand one, but that's fourteen years. One of the things that has motivated me to want to do this with you is that you and I, when we were teenagers, had an argument about Barry Bonds, and it. I haven't dropped this line. Have I dropped? Have I told you the other set? When we were kids, uh, we got into it about Barry, and you were still you were into it, and I was I was I was not into it. And uh, are you saying I was drinking the Kool Aid? I don't want to disrespect you and say that you're <laughs> committing suicide, uh, mass suicide, but like I had to. This was a moment of maturity in my life where I had to be like, I have to stop arguing with this guy. I don't want to. I don't want to take baseball away from him. He he's a kid. He loves baseball. He loves Barry Bonds. Why am I who am I to take that away from him, you know? But that's why we're here. Yeah, I think I would have been happy to I don't remember the conversation, but I think I would have been happy to accept your standpoint even though I disagreed with it. And I was well, at that point the debate was is he roiding or is, is he, he roiding not roiding? Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very binary thing. Right. And I didn't believe that he was. Right. And I did. Yeah. Because I guess to me back in the day, the representative of a Reuter was somebody who wasn't all that great. And then all of a sudden. Brett stu- Boone. Yeah. Putting up stupid numbers. The other one that comes to mind is uh, uh, Brady Anderson, leadoff hitter. Hit 50 home runs one year. And you look at his stats and it's like 6, 8, 13, 50. Those are like his progressions for home runs. And you know something ain't right with that. Because when Cecil Fielder hit 50 home runs for the first time, I think he only did it once. He was like the 11th or maybe 15 or less for sure in all of baseball history, gentlemen that had hit 50 home runs in a season. So it was a big stat. When a second baseman, I think Brady Anderson was second baseman, can hit 50 jacks in a year. It was one of those, uh, what, what is it? The canary in the coal mine where you go, yeah. Um, okay. Something's a little funky right now. You know, I want to see the interview of the equipment manager guy. It's like, oh yeah. Uh, Mark showed up. Uh, he looks yoked. Yeah. Um, we had to increase his hat size again. Uh, we brought him the next size up. It's, it wasn't big enough. Uh, we had to bring up the uh, two sizes this year. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to hit 60. <laughs> he had LASIK too. Yeah, so I think that's always an interesting argument about Hall of Fame because all the Hall of Fame is is journalists voting on who's in, who's out. Yeah. So it, it gets thought of that it's representing baseball, but all it really represents at this point is what current journalists think. And well, they've decided that Barry Bonds is not a Hall of Famer. The journalists decided. Yeah. Correct. They did. Yeah. That's pretty much, that's settled. Yeah, if I had a vote, um, I would vote him in. All right. If I had a vote. God bless you, Barry Bonds. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw the breadth of his whole career, and uh, I mean, I also believe that he knowingly took performance-enhancing drugs, and at the same time, I would put him in the Hall of Fame, but what's funny about it for me is I was a fan of his, so I know I'm influenced. I was not a fan of Roger Clemens. I don't think I'd put him in, and Mm. I know it's so... It's not fair because you go, if Barry's in, Roger's in because they have similar stats in terms of dominance of pitching, dominance of hitting. But I just, there's something about Roger that I don't put him in. The bar for me, uh, for American League pitcher to get in the Hall of Fame is so high. Oh, totally. So well, high. I mean, seven Cy Youngs. And but he did, he played a little National League ball when he was an Astro. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he played some. And oh. I don't really know him as a batter too much. I remember him batting a little in the World Series. Didn't look like a batter. But uh, most of his dominant career was as an American League pitcher, and he thrived on being, I, I own the inside corner. And I think if you're not batting, that's bullshit. It's real easy if you don't have to hit. Think that's a wrap? Let's wrap it up. Sounds great. <laughs>